Chapter 23 Why'd that lady think I was your fiancé? Lou said behind the wheel of his full-size diesel truck as we drove away from the Clam Beach Inn. Hugo was in the back seat, staring out the window in silence. After his otolith cackle dose, he'd stopped speaking gibberish and started asking a lot of questions. I'd relayed the events of the last few days and explained why I'd saved him. He'd kept to himself ever since. I'd just gotten off the phone with May and M, who were safe and staying at Lou's house. I think she was flirting with you, I said. Wise guy. Lou looked over his shoulder at Hugo with a scowl of suspicion, then he lowered his voice to tell me about the problems he'd been having with my sister. She'd gone down a rabbit hole googling about lice. And for a while, she'd forbidden Lou to give M the otolith tincture. Then M had a nightmare take over her mind like it had the other morning, and they couldn't wake her up. She began flailing. They had to restrain her. Emotions had been high, but Lou had managed to persuade May to let him give M the otolith treatment. And M had recovered miraculously. I shook my head. I loved my sister and understood she was struggling with this new reality, but sometimes her stubbornness was out of control. I couldn't bear to think what horrifying memory of our ancestors M had been reliving, or what future worlds she had been privy to. I vowed to never let her experience that again, no matter what my sister said. I would sneak M the Otolith tincture if I had to. It won't work, Hugo said from the back seat, breaking his silence. What won't work? I said. The notion that me attending Kalia's trial tomorrow and providing evidence to support her will ultimately result in her exoneration and release from Brad's custody. That is a fantasy. The whorls of evidence against my sister have been tampered with by an Oshara. And with Nancy as prime nabob, our enemy has control of the nabobbery at the lodge. She will corrupt the hearing in her favor. We must appeal to Dave. Dave? He is an Arashaka of the highest order, and he has an incorruptible nature. He is also the nabob of judgment and sentencing. As an Arashaka, he can enter the worlds of all Shanikas, not just his own. In our justice system, the accuser and the accused submit their worlds to him, and he grafts to them using whatever techniques he deems suitable. When he's done, he presents those graftings to the nabobbery and the family heads, and they act as the jury. Nancy will make sure Kalia is convicted, but Dave will have sole authority over the sentence. Nancy will push for Brad to oversee Kalia's punishment, but that is all she can do, push. If Dave rules in Nancy's favor, we are doomed. In Brad's custody, Kalia will have no power to thwart their plans. We need her to be sentenced to the monastery, where I will be able to help her. She is the only one with the strength to stand against them. During the Magdalena Wars, her enemies called her the Nightmare Bringer, and her allies called her the Angel of Truth. She can stop this before it gets started. And believe me, it is just starting. What's just starting? I said. The Memorist, as you call her, died 49 years ago in the 1964 Christmas Flood. Her name was Blanche Duluth, and she was the leader of a cult known as the Friend of Blanche Duluth. They started in Boonville 60 years ago, but moved up here after the Mendocino Marshal kicked them out. When Blanche died she took the lives of 52 of her followers. The Humboldt Marshal at the time thought it was mass suicide, 
but the Halamite he called in to help investigate found evidence of Nemoloki cackle. Nemoloki are a species that was thought to have been wiped out in a genocide committed 24,000 years ago during the Zadatorian Wars, but now and then there are rumors of a Nemoloki being found somewhere or another. Their cackle is extremely dangerous to Mobiacs. It turns our identities into viruses that sweep through the cackle of our lines and replaces the whorls of our ancestors with the experiences and narratives of just one fleeting life. If I took this poison, my bond would turn into me, and I would have two bodies, but I would also lose the whorls of my ancestors. Blanche Duluth was an Oshara, the rarest class of Mobiac. She could receive anyone's cackle like an Arashaka, and could give anyone her cackle like an Arashanika. If she took Nemoloki poison, she could potentially turn the whole world into her, every cackle race, even humans. The marshal at the time concluded that she had somehow acquired Nemoloki poison and taken it in front of her followers while her cackle was spreading, transforming her 52 followers into different versions of her. But when that happened, they were all dispelled along with their leader before the infection could spread any further. What do you mean expelled? I said. You will need some knowledge of our cosmology to understand. The easiest way to explain is with the metaphor Wanda's gave us centuries ago, when our species were still getting along. Our god is Arawak, and she has seven stomachs by which to digest cackle. In its raw form cackle is pure potentiality. The first stomachs are chaotic, magical places. The farther down you go, the less magic there is. We live in the fourth stomach. When Arawak has an infection like Blanche Duluth, an infection that threatens to destroy all the beautiful diversity in that stomach, and others, she gets rid of it by vomiting. You're telling me God vomits? It is a metaphor, but it is a useful one. I laughed. So then this Blanche Duluth is like food poisoning. What does that make us? Pepto-Bismol if you're doing it right, Lou said. Or dry crackers. Hugo didn't smile. His face pinched. Arawak's vomiting reflex is not a subject of levity. I believe the friends of Blanche Duluth are in the process of resurrecting their founder. They could have discovered some traces of her left in the upper stomachs. But more likely, knowing that her attempt to infect the whole universe with her essence might fail catastrophically, Blanche preserved her cackle in a whorl. If her followers are attempting to resurrect her now, it means they have found a solution to Arawak's vomiting reflex. That solution is your Rakuluk. So that's why they wanted me infected. The Rakuluk is the key to resurrecting the Memorist, this Blanche lady. And that's why you tried to kill me. You saw this coming? I didn't try to kill you. The version of me inside Kalia's world tried to kill you. Why? I could only presume. Then presume away. Very well. Blanche is an Oshara, and Osharas are very powerful, very rare Mobiacs. If they have a Rakuluk at their disposal, there is a way for them to infect the whole world with their cackle, essentially turning the entire population into versions of them. But the only way for them to have a Rakuluk at their disposal would be to have the cooperation of a sojourner like yourself. Now if that sojourner were a novice, completely inexperienced in the ways of Mobiacs, that sojourner could be easily manipulated. Therefore if I must presume, 
I would say I tried to kill you to prevent the end of the world. I swiveled in my seat to look Hugo in the eyes. So then what's to stop you from trying to kill me again when you get the chance? You're already infected with a Rakulik. Killing you would not turn back time. And you're in my care now. I have control now, whereas in the Warl I was without control. I won't let Blanche Duluth take you. Kalia won't let her take you either. That is why it is so important that she doesn't remain in Brad's custody. That's not the only reason. Of course. He is an abominable man. The sooner she is free of him, the better. We will go to her trial tomorrow. When it is your time to testify, you will condemn her. Condemn her? Are you crazy? Remember, we are appealing to Dave. The trial is already over. It is fixed. They have convicted her before it has begun. Our only hope is that Dave will not submit to Nancy's wishes, that he will see my sister as such a threat, he couldn't in good conscience release her to just one warden, especially when that warden has been compromised. That is where you come in. You must undermine the legitimacy of Brad as her warden. You must lie. You are her bond. You have access to her worlds. Your testimony carries great weight. Testify that she is in love with Brad, and her love has made her insane. Testify that she murdered all the people they claim she murdered, so Brad's mom could become Prime Nabob, and they could be bonded once Diane was out of the way. Testify that she tried to murder you for the same reasons. I can't do that. You have to lie, and it has to be contrary to Nancy's lies. That is the only way to force Dave's hand. When everyone sees you're lying, he'll be obligated by duty to check your worlds. When he sees that your worlds contradict the worlds that were manipulated by Blanche to frame Kalia for murder, he will have no choice but to call your lies into question as well, to call the whole trial into question. He will be forced to send the trial to a higher authority. In the meantime, Kalia will be released from Brad's custody. With the worlds of both sides in question, Dave will have no choice. Only then will Kalia be sentenced to the monastery, where, as the nabob of cosmic digestion, I have great influence and many friends. If she's so strong, why didn't she stop this cult in the time since I've been bonded to her? She's been weakened by the death of her bond, as you well know, and she is only just recovering from the near loss of the worlds of her line. Replacing a bond takes its toll. She will have time to rest at the monastery. Only when she has made a full recovery will we make our move against the friends. Okay. Say this works and Dave sentences her to the monastery. What's to stop Nancy and the rest of the friends from just not listening and keeping Kalia with Brad anyway? They don't have that much power over the lodge yet, otherwise they wouldn't be going through with this charade. No, they still have to heed the laws of the land. The checks and balances on power are holding, fortunately, for now. I turned to Lou. The dim light from the dash accentuated the wrinkles on his big square face. Out of these two men, these two strangers, I trusted him the most. What do you think? I said. He frowned. All these lodges are nests of vipers, so it's good to have someone from the nabobbery on your side. If he says the trial is rigged, then the trial is rigged. It's hard to slip a lie past a Mobiac. We have ways of knowing. 
The same way I know he isn't lying right now, is the same way the Nabobbery will know you are lying during your testimony. And that's a good thing. If you tell the truth and it doesn't match up with the Worrell evidence they've already seen, then they'll just assume you believe your own lies because you're crazy. But if you lie, then they have to check your Worrells. That's standard lodge procedure everywhere. Someone lies, they check the Worrells. When they do that, and they see that the Worrells contradict each other. Well, in most lodges, they'd realize an Oshara was involved and bump the case up to the Mending, which is basically our version of the Feds. So yeah, I think it's a good plan. You'll probably have to stay in a Mobiak monastery for a while, but that's a small price to pay for getting your bond away from this asshole Brad. A cloud burst and rain pounded on the truck like we were passing under a waterfall. Kalia's painful memories of the separation from her parents had invaded my mind during the first shower curtain whirl I'd entered. Despite all her parents had put her through, she'd been hurt by what they'd made her do to claim her rightful place as guardian of their line. I could still feel that pain. I didn't want to cause her any more. If I did what Hugo wanted, would she know I didn't mean it? Or would she feel rejected again? We'd only just met but I felt like I'd known her for years. I cared about her. I didn't want her to hate me. Ever. But was that being selfish? If her hating me was the price to pay for her freedom, then that was the price. Period. Lou pulled into the hotel, across from the small McKinleyville airport. We're not staying at your place? I said. You can, Lou said and nodded at Hugo. But I don't know him. We have much to discuss and plan before my sister's trial, Hugo said. I will acquire rooms for both of us, meals and transportation. Come with me. We must be in perfect harmony for tomorrow. At the hotel, we ordered takeout from the Mexican restaurant down the road. Hugo requested I retire to my room while we ate. I thought that was an unfriendly way to treat someone who just saved his life, but I tolerated it for Kalia's sake. I needed his position at the lodge, his knowledge of their politics and procedures to pull this thing off. Besides, he wasn't the best company anyway. I video called May to see how she was holding up. M jumped in the frame, excited, and told me Lou had a huge house in the woods and had shown her where an owl lived. We chatted for a few minutes, and when M wandered off, I revealed to my sister that I might have to go to a Mobiak prison for a bit. In the most diplomatic way possible, as she was my older sister, I made her promise to never miss an Otolith dose for M again, and to not return to the bakery until Lou said it was safe. After the meal, Hugo and I reconvened and discussed how the trial and my part in it would play out. We went over it and over it until we were in perfect harmony. Then we retired back to our separate rooms again to sleep.